Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. you might be doing while listening to this podcast hey i'm justin crosley this is the session and we are back live on the brewing network after an exciting trip to the uh craft brewers conference which i will wrap for you uh a little bit later but let's just get right to the good stuff first i've got uh, a few guests in the studio today some uh, surprise guests which I'm, I'm happy we're here having a beer and uh, one of their beers on tap so um this is the sudverk show I've got um, Ryan Fry from Sudwerk. He's one of the owners there, um, and uh, he's here. We're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of Sudwerk beer, including some some German stuff. Uh, he's got some great lagers that, that we brought out, a Hef. Um, we got a few things to try, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're excited. A bunch yeah. of traditional stuff and some uh, some hoppy stuff as well. So Beautiful. Yeah. All right. I'm excited about that. And then, um, yeah, our surprise guest today, we've got uh, Justin and Evan from Ghost Town, who just happened to be uh, hanging out here having a beer. Hello, uh, hello. Welcome, guys. Hey, we'd like to loiter here. Well, <laughs> I appreciate the, the surprise visit. Um, and the reason I wanted to have you guys on is we have this beer on tap right now that's fantastic. Uh, what's it called? Frozen something. Uh, frozen Fiend. Frozen Fiend, right. Okay. And it's like a 7% IPA. Yep. And the reason I want to have you guys in, because I just thought it was a pretty interesting topic. So it's a kind of a fresh take on a wet hop beer, if yep. I have that right. Correct. So those of you who don't know what a wet hop beer is, it's a stupid thing to have to make. Uh, because <laughs> essentially the hop uh, growers um, harvest the hops, which... And, of course, they're wet coming right off the vine and then ship them that same day to whatever brewers are dumb, uh, uh, savvy enough <laughs> to want to brew a beer with that. And the idea is you have to get these wet hops to brewers really quick or they'll they just go bad. They go mildewy and they just kind of it can be a disaster. So it's always this sort of like harrowing experience to make a wet hop beer. Um, well, in this case, um, your hop provider, which I think is YCH, Correct. right? Yeah. Yakima YCH. cheap. Um Came up with this process where same thing, cut the hops uh, and then freeze them like immediately, right? Yep. And then ship them to you that way. So kind of less of a harrowing ordeal. 
right? That is correct. Okay. Um, and so the reason I want to talk about it too is not only is that sort of this new kind of unique thing, but it's got to be the best wet hot beer I've ever had. Definitely. Right? Yeah, this is one of the best I've ever had, to be honest. Like it's missing all Thank of you. that lawnmower yes. thing that you don't really want, right? <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, maybe that was part of the uh, being cryogenically frozen right off the vine. Yeah, because it's definitely, um, we do a lot of wet hops every year, you know, because we'll, we'll fly up to uh, Oregon, Portland, wherever, um, and drive back morning of and brew with it that day. But maybe like, the 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 freezing process of this, of this helped keep that kind of vegetable matter in check a little bit. Yeah, um, they must have done something because it is a very like. In other words, it's even if you hadn't told me if it wasn't in my beer description up there that it was a wet hop beer, I would have just called it like a really fresh hop beer. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have even described it that way to somebody. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now. Does it sort of thaw out in the process of shipping and it's like ready to go when it gets to you or? Yeah, exactly. So, okay. um, so first time we've ever done this. Um, and, uh, that, that is basically the process. So, so let's say we were to do it during harvest season, right? Uh, August through September, those hops have to be picked that morning, shipped that morning and brewed with that afternoon. Oh, okay. if you are, you know, I mean, every, everybody that brews beer in Seattle, Portland, Washington, they're lucky because they're right there. They just go pick okay. them up. It's a bit easier. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why during harvest season, when we go up to select hops, we love it. We spend two weeks there just drinking fresh hops because it's the time of year, right? You don't yeah. get to do this. So, you know, YCH has been doing whatever they can to try and bring this product to you year round. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the advantages to it is, yes, it actually takes about 24 hours to, thaw, or to thaw. Okay. Uh, so... They can you ship it the day before, so your shipping charges are still very expensive, but they're not nearly what they are if you were to try and ship same day. And we're talking, we did a this is a thirty five barrel batch, so we do ten pounds per barrel, so three hundred fifty pounds. Wow, not cheap. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but yeah, but the fact that you can overnight it helps out. Uh, the fact that it thaws a little bit overnight helps out. But um, which you know is one of those. It's uh, we love them so much. Uh, our owner Ryan was like, you know what, Justin. Let's put one of these on the schedule. You know, I don't care. This is not about money or anything like that. This is for selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. Because we want to drink this. You know, right. like, let's get this flavor back on our palates because we can only drink this six weeks out of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was a fun experiment. Um, and fortunately, we, we actually tried this uh, before SF Beer Week. And, okay. Uh, the hops didn't arrive, <laughs> so oh. we, uh, we had to resort to a plan B and still made like a made west coast west out of it, I think. Was yeah. it the same, pro the, like frozen hops didn't arrive or like traditional wet hops didn't arrive? Frozen this hops one, okay. Right. No, they, they were shipped. Okay. They were shipped. <laughs> they so just, somewhere in the middle. Somebody lucky got yeah. an order that morning. Right. Hey, yeah, 350 <laughs> pounds of mosaic. I really <laughs> want that to be like an accidental brewery and not just like like wasted in a FedEx oh. warehouse, right? I just want it to be like some local guy's like, okay. Okay. Like, yeah, right. this. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, though, like I said, that didn't work out for us. We turned that into something else. But this one worked out. The hops were there on time, like uh, we asked for. And, uh, Man, when we opened them up, they were actually still. I almost wish I gave them maybe another ten hours to the thaw. To thaw. Out. Okay, yeah, because they were still like there's some little crystals on there, but like it's really cool. Like again, I don't know the actual process that they do for cryogenically freezing them, uh, but there's no like freezer burn, and like even okay. like when we get like fresh hop during the season, you'll get them and you'll have some little brown marks and things like that. You know, these were just beautiful green wow. all the way through. Like mm. we had. 35 boxes of it and every single box you open up you're just like 
God, they look so beautiful. Oh, it must have smelled amazing too. Yeah. Oh, often. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Once, I mean, you know, our tap room was open and everything and we're brewing this and then you just see customers coming up. They're like, the fuck is going on in there? Oh yeah. Your neighbors, your neighbors are like, did they open a dispensary on this block? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a cool process. What variety of hop is it? Mosaic. It's all mosaic. Yeah. 100% mosaic. Um, Like I said, yeah, we do 10 pounds per barrel. Uh, it's all at, uh, Whirlpool. Basically we use our mash ton as a hot back. Okay. You know, so we'll throw it back in there, uh, after boil and then we'll just recirculate it through. We get the temperature down to about 180 just, just to make sure we don't, you know, get too much bitterness off of it. You know, we can just kind of like really extract those oils and flavor profiles. Sure. And then we just recirculate it, uh, you know, like a Vorloff basically. And, um, I'll just keep pulling samples and you get to the point where you're like, all right, you know, we're almost there and we know our knockout time is going to be 30 more minutes. Let's send it through. Wow. And we found it, it's, it's anywhere in the 45 minute to hour range. And, you know, again, at that 180 is kind of a, you know, you're safe, right? You're I not, see. You're not going to over really do it if it's, it's much longer. Okay. But yeah. We kind of just keep tasting it and you keep tasting it and you just wait until it just like stings the back of your neck. I see. And then, and then, you know, like the yeast will, you know, take a lot of that out of the beer and okay product so you kind of go overboard a little bit knowing that oh, yeah. it's going to strip some oh of course so yeah. let me make sure i have this right so is there nothing that goes into this beer until that that point then at the end correct yeah yeah so there's no there's no like tiny bittering addition or anything uh i, I take it back i do put in eight ounces oh, of okay. <laughs> mosaic t90 at boil just because if you see if you feel like you have this is for for how many barrels? Thirty five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So right. nothing. That's pretty much nothing. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 I just throw in a couple, a little bit of T ninety in there. I don't. I don't know why. Just uh, superstitious type thing. Maybe. Yeah. I don't blame um, you. I would too. But yeah. No. That's it. Yeah. And then we just do that, and then we just recirculate until uh, our you know um, until we're happy with the flavor profile and nice. We send it off and do our fermentation with it. I like your scientific method too. You're like, just, you know, there's a, you get this little sting in the back of the throat and then you're ready. Hey, it's art. Yeah. You know, it really is. Hey, yeah. I'm a, I'm a firm believer, man. Um, you know, cause you can, I mean, there's math and everything you can dial it in, but like, you know, we're like, as you know, like with us, we've been changing equipment a lot and growing a lot. So me and uh, our lead brewer and everything, like we taste work daily, mm-hmm. you know, and I make sure like we taste work, we taste fermentation daily because you want to you know i mean you know you can follow gravities you can follow phs you can follow stuff but this is how you stay in tune with it we're still small enough where you know you just want to be in tune with your product but like when you really understand how that glass of wort will change into that final product you can just you know you just you You get get that feel for it yeah yeah you know what type of bitterness you're looking for and then this being a a frozen fresh hop beer, you know, like it's like, okay, yeah, we have the buffer zone. We want it to be more aggressive and yada, yada. Right. And then with that being said, you know, we hit that 7% ABV just to make sure. Cause okay. like, it's a big difference from 6.8 to 7.2. You know, you can go 20 IBUs heavier. No oh, sweat. Wow. You know, it's like, it's real, like real quick. It's like, it switches it like six, five. Yeah. You have to like kind of play it safe, but you hit like 7%. You're like, Interesting. You kind of get into the safe range because your alcohol content will just kind of just help mask See, it. See, I wouldn't have guessed that. I thought you guys were all like, ah, six, eight to seven, two, we're just good to go. And there's nope. not a big old difference. There, no, no, the huge difference. I wow. mean, six, eight is like, like again, like most brewers want to make like a six, four IPA, in my opinion, because okay. it's low enough ABV where we can keep crushing them. 
And then your dry hop does go a little bit further because, you know, you're fighting with all the, everything else. But when you hit that 7%, like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, it's like a lot of doubles and all this stuff. You know, you never really have a double APA where like, that's just too bitter. I mean, you right. have once or twice, but it's like, normally it's like, yeah, you can't really go over too bitter with it. Right. And with something like this, I can't calculate out what type of bitter is trying to get. They don't send us the alpha acids or anything like that, you know? So you just right. gotta, you know, go by feel. Gotta go by feel. Yeah. And do you dry hop this at all too? Or are you done at that point? Oh, with fuck yes, we do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> we cheat. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, it's dry hopped with, uh, you know, we select our, our, all our own hops, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, some mosaic and some mosaic cryo in there at about, uh, right around three pounds per barrel, you know, which is today's standards, probably on the low end. I don't know. Most people sure. are doing four pound, but yeah, we, cause we, I mean, it was already so aromatic before we even put the dry hop in there. So it was just kind of a, just to keep it on the West coast thing. Like, cause I, I, I um, after drinking so many wet hops, the ones that stood out the best were the ones that just it more had the sappy, just jammy, incredible flavor profile. It wasn't about the wet hop aroma because that can tend to be grassy. So that that's why we want to get the T90s and the cryo in there just to make sure it still smells like mosaic. But then you have this flavor profile that's nice and cool bitterness that you just don't normally feel in your mouth. Yeah. Plus this other just mosaic flavor profile that you just don't get. You know, and yeah. that's what's fun about it. It's like you guys achieved that. Yeah, it's all no, those thanks. oils. Oh, it's, it comes yeah, from so much hops. oil. Exactly. Almost yeah, gives like, you a different viscosity to your to your beer. Slightly. Oh, totally. So kind of a bunch that you lose basically in the processing of hops into pellets is what you're right. saying. That's why there's more oils and all of that. Yeah. With like the kilning process. Right. Yeah. Got you, it. You dry off and like uh, I don't know if like um, our other wet hop beer that we do every year is the Strata one. And to me, it was, it was my favorite name of any beer we've ever done. And we called it scissor hash. Uh, nice. Any of you that have trimmed weed, <laughs> yeah, you smoke scissor hash. You know, I mean, it's like, that's, that's like, to me, that was the difference of it. Right. You know, okay. like that smoking the, sorry. You know, yeah, hey, it's legal here. You're yeah, fine. Yeah, right? yeah. Smoking You're a bowl, fine. some scissor hash as opposed to a dry bowl. I mean, they're both beautiful, but it's just a different thing that right. you just don't get to achieve. You know, it's like silly shit like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're just fun. We're fortunate enough to be here to do it. But I will say this, you know, any other breweries listening throughout the country, like talk to YCH and get your hands on this because they can overnight it to you. It's nice. It's not, it's actually cheaper than buying fresh hop because you have that 24 hour thought period. And and now it can, like you kind of said earlier, it can be done year round because they're just keeping yep. it in a cryo freezer, like until someone orders it. Yep. Oh, this, that's pretty amazing. And, and I'd hop on it now because, um, no pun intended, but might uh, be gone already. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, they're also, uh, I think they're, they're trying new other products out. So this might not be around much longer just because it does take up a lot of space in their coolers. It's hard to ship. It's, you know, big packaging. Um, you know, I don't work for YCH. I'm not trying to, you know, yeah, yeah. But from my understanding, this is something that they're going to probably start to steer away from just because of. You know, packaging issues, warehouse, sure, space that it takes up and everything. Okay. So, and that makes me think of you too. Like, you must have lost a lot of volume with this particular beer, also, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Okay. But we do, always, do like, you ever use whole hops at all besides this type of experiment? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Um, on our new brew house, we actually have a uh, hop back plumbed into it. Got it. So, we're doing, uh, actually, uh, next week we're releasing that, uh, collab with Slice, a double IPA that has a, shitload of strata hole cone in it oh nice and uh but yeah you i mean you just but 
uh, every time you do it, you know, you kind of get your numbers and you know what your loss is. So we just kind of account for a loss and we'll just do a, a higher collection or something like that. Or, okay. you know, or just, just take the loss in sure. the final product. Yeah. But yeah calculate no. it all in there. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, too, there was no hops put into the kettle, right? You know, so there was, we don't oh, have right. that loss because either. Because it's so, going through a hot back. Instead. Yeah, that eight ounces didn't do right. anything. So, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> yeah. absorbed so much beer. I know, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so, I mean, and normally, like, you know, like with the, with our typical beers, we're like at, you know, 1.3, 1.4 pounds per barrel in the Whirlpool, which you know, destroys your yield. But right. this kind of, maybe it would have been equivalent to using like two pounds per barrel. Okay. You know, that's, that's like how I would associate the loss to that. Got it. So Okay. It's so good. I just want to talk about it because it's delicious. Oh, oh no. fuck yeah. No, it's no, like no. my <laughs> ideal IPA. Right? I'm, I'm stoked you guys made it like this. Oh, Very yeah. crushable, but so much great flavor, and it's, it's delicious. Yeah. 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 This one must have been easy to sell, Evan. <laughs> You're just like, hey, just get, take this little sample, and everyone's like, I'll take two. No samples even needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, was, it was gone. It was gone just from talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't always pay attention to my beer list here if I'm busy. I don't drink at my bar every day. But uh, I like three people, including the new brewer around the corner, came in, I think, yesterday. And I saw him at the bar. I was like, hey, you have your own bar. (laughs) And he's like, no, I came to try this beer. I really Uh needed to try this beer. And so that's what got me thinking about it. Saw you guys today, tried it, and went, oh, okay, I get it. Well, yeah, no, this is uh, awesome <laughs> timing. <laughs> honestly, thank you. Yeah, you no. know, Thank you to you and your buyer. Anything fun, anything eclectic that we're going to do, I mean, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be here. Yeah. You know, your buyer wants it. Yeah, yeah. And we want it. Yeah, L- Lewis gets ornery if we don't get whatever. I, I've seen trust, him. Trust yeah. me. You know. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to see it ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, let me do a couple uh, uh, quick announcements, um, and then we're going to talk about some Sudeberg beer, too. But um, uh, thanks to our sponsor, More Beer. More Beer's been the sponsor of this show since day zero, really, and uh, they're still here today. And I've been working with them a lot more, actually. Me and Chris Graham brewed a uh, – we got back into home brewing and, and just brewed a, a Dortmunder, actually. Mm. To We're going to do a whole show about it, but we brewed – It's a. it was a recipe from Tasty – that he won second place in the national homebrew competition. And so Chris Graham and I had realized um, in all the years we've been going, he's been going to this uh, competition and conference for almost 20 years. I've been going for like 16 or 17 and uh, I've never entered the competition. I'm a terrible homebrewer. Um, so I called him one day. I was like, Hey, why don't we let's brew a beer and enter this competition. It'll just be fun. So we brewed Tasty's Dortmunder. Um, and anyway, there's just a lot of fun. We're going to be doing an upcoming show to tell you all about that. But uh, Chris Graham and and all the crew over at More Beer have just been so supportive. So support them too. Check out their new uh, Comos line of everything. The kegerators and jockey boxes. Um, I've got both now because I just couldn't resist. I saw it in their showroom. Um, they got everything you need over there. Um, also, uh, if you want to send us feedback about this show or any other show, send it to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. We love to hear from you. You can still support us through PayPal. Just hit the donate button on our website. I think I put it everywhere I possibly could. I should probably make it even bigger. Uh, just hit the donate button. Um, you know, as little as like two bucks and it enters you into the more beer monthly donation giveaway. We raffle off a hundred bucks to, to somebody who's been supporting us. And while I'm talking about that, you know, a bunch of you have, have been, I, I was going through the list the other day. And, you know, it's a small percentage of listeners that donate, but it's a large percentage of the donors who've really been doing it for years and years. And I can't thank you enough. Like 
we're here because of uh, folks like you and, of course, more beer and our sponsors. So um, thanks for that. If you don't want to do a, a donation, that's cool. You could do your Amazon shopping. Just click the Amazon links on our homepage, and then you just do your shopping as normal. I think for like once you click the Amazon link for like 30 days, it's it's valid for us. So I, and I appreciate if you did that. Um, all right. Um, and the last thing I just I wanted to give a shout out. Did you all enter? You did enter the World Beer Cup. I know that because you guys at Ghost Town won for, don't tell me, Ossuary. Yes, sir. Yep. Which is what? Robust Porter? Robust yep. Porter. Took silver. Congratulations. Thank that you. is so Thanks, awesome. Um, yeah, we're very excited. Very happy with this. Like, what a cool... I always like all the awards. I like the World Beer Cup. I like the Great American Beer Festival. I especially love seeing my friends on stage, uh, like, you know, just getting these medals. So, congratulations. Um, you. Did you? Did Sudberg enter this we year? We did. We did. Yeah. Struck out. Struck uh, out this we year? We tried. We tried. Happy, you guys man. killed we it at the GABF. Yeah, yeah we, so. I think we tried <laughs> we all of our luck at the GABF. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys well, were, uh, was it Mid-Sized Brewery of the yeah, Year? Yeah, Mid-Sized nice. Brewery of the Year. So yeah, that's no slouch. We're fired up on that one, so it's okay about the World Beer Cup. We'll get them next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about some of your award-winning beers. But I wanted to give a special shout-out, because it's another brewery I really like here, and they were on the show recently, and that's Wild Fields. Uh, Wild Fields is down in a Tuscadero, and if you just go a couple shows back, you can listen to them. These guys won four gold medals oh, in the World Beer Cup. And I did a little research. Uh, I, I couldn't go farther back in this, but I found out it hasn't been done since 2006. For, to, now, breweries have won four medals before, but four gold medals? It, I, like, I thought that maybe it had never happened. It turns out Miller did it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Back in 2006, in all of the American style lager categories, there must be four of them. It's like light <laughs> lager, full lager. Maybe there's like a pre pro. I don't even know what they are. And they've probably changed in 2006 too. But that's the last time it was done. And I don't know that it was ever done before that. And so I just wanted to give a shout out because, like, you guys know this. And we, we've, I've talked about it on the show a lot. In the award competition, there's a bunch of luck involved, Definitely. right? Mm -hmm. But it's not all luck. Like any time you see a brewery, for example, win one of the brewery of the year categories, mm -hmm. or I used to watch Firestone win medal after medal. Yep. Now, you could always make these arguments, well, they enter more beers and they enter more. Okay, all of that's valid. But you don't win a bunch of medals unless all of those things you entered were fucking fantastic. Yeah, agreed. So, definitely. So I always like to make a point of like, if you got four gold medals, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Those, you are brewing incredible beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're a little out of range for me to go and drink. How how many times am I going to be able to come and drink them here? So hey? we, you know, we I'm, I'm going to be them, dependent on you. We get them at least once a month. Right. Uh, and they now just they used to deliver up here to us, uh, which was a pain in the ass for them. Great for us. Now they finally get it distributed. So uh, I think we order for them at, at least once a month. And I've liked their beer since before I've known any of this. Oh, yeah. It's agreed. That's why we had them on the show. Um, I, I wrote down the styles that they won, too. Um, so American style brown ale, which is I think that's a cool style to win right there. Mm -hmm. uh, they won in Scottish ale. Nice. Uh, they won another brown ale. They won English style brown ale. So they won oh. English brown ale and American brown ale. And by the way, this is the World Beer Cup. So you have to assume there was some English 
English style brown ale. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And these are the best beers in the world. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> multi generational breweries competing in that category. Oh, right. Sure. Oh yeah. And an American style cream ale. Um, nice. So four yeah. categories, and I don't know to in, to get gold in the four categories you entered. I got to get them back to find out. Like, what if those were the only four categories they entered? And they just had a hundred percent success Whoa. rate with gold. I got to find out. If yes, maybe they impressive. entered. Is, is there a limit on how many you can enter? Uh, yes. Um, this year it was ten. Okay. So, but you have to obviously pay. You pay every time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. You got to think about a good amount of samples too. Do you? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, like, what not- are we talking? Are you going to send a twelve pack in or something? I think it was like a case per style Pretty or much. more per yeah. style. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess weird. it's several rounds of judging, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were doing four four packs. Either way, okay. No, I mean when it's all said and done, it's like for ten categories, you're talking twenty five three thousand dollars, right? Twenty five hundred three thousand yeah. dollars, sure. you know. So it's not cheap. No, that's a chunk of change. Enter all these things, and it's it's your marketing budget, right? Because if you do win, it's a nice thing to be able oh, to heck, talk about. Yeah. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah, like if I'm these guys, I'm making T-shirts like F Miller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the other uh, World Beer Cup shout out I want to get. She's not here today, uh, which is my fault. Um, but my co-host and and your fellow brewer Teresa Pasuti from Crooked Lane mm-hmm. uh, up there in uh, is she Auburn? I think it's Auburn. Yeah, um, yeah right. Yep. Yeah. So also won a gold. I want, I'm pretty sure it's gold. And she won it in the Belgian style category. Nice. Which she was awesome. I saw her afterward, and she's just dumbfounded. And I'm like, don't just don't question it because again. You have to assume she beat Belgians, yeah. like <laughs> people from Belgium in the Belgian category. And she just was dumbfounded about it. But congratulations, because that's always that's kind of a cool thing, too. Like for me, you you do want to see the people who inter, internationally win, too, because it, like you want them to keep participating so that this is a world beer cup. Right. Mm-hmm. Not like the World Series, for example, which mm-hmm. is just American baseball. <laughs> um, so but it's also pretty cool when an American brewer like wins that that category right it's got to feel good as a, oh, as a brewer always oh, yeah. um, so good stuff i want to thank the brewers association for letting the brewing network uh, stream the award ceremony um that's always fun for me to do and uh there was a couple technical issues there my apologies um yeah i'll get it right next time but still uh, a few thousand of you were able to tune in and i'm always proud to to bring that to you so uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it over at the BA. All right. We're going to take ourselves a, a quick break. Uh, Justin, Evan, thanks for being here and talking about that beer with us. Thank yeah. you, Justin. Thanks for having us, Justin. Appreciate Great it, stuff. Um, all right, Ryan. When we come back, we're drinking some Sudbrook beer and we're talking about you guys. Awesome. Ooh, sounds all forward right. to it. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the session. Welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks to Ghost Town for stopping in and letting us talk about that beer. And um, all right, now we are talking Sudwerk. Yeah. So now I've known you guys for years now um, and and been a fan for a long time, but a lot has changed at Sudwerk over the years. Like I've been doing this since 05. Okay. When did you and your partner Trent take over Sudwerk kind of a Started there around 2008. Okay. And yeah. really it was kind of, we grew up with the brewery. We're both born and raised there. Trent's grandfather started it with uh, one of his buddies, and okay. it was kind of at the tail end of their lives. They were like in their 80s, 90s, and there wasn't anyone else to really take it over, so they were thinking about closing it down. So we've always grew up with it, loved the beer. It was like the first beer we had. It was the beer I grew up in my house with. My my, nice. gra- my grandfather's German, and it was like you got 
German imports or you got suit work in yeah. our house. And yeah. so we, you know, are always chomping at the bit to be a part of the brewery. And then one day we kind of finished up college and opportunity opened itself up. So we were chomping at the bit to get in there and uh, we started just helping out wherever we could. And then they're like, Hey, we're, you know, you guys got to figure out how to close this thing down. And we're like, no way. Like, you know, we have beer's great. It just needs, you know, some, you know, a little more life to breathe, breathe into it. So yeah, the beer was always great, by the way. Like yeah. I, I think when I was introduced to the brewery, Jay Prawl was, yes. was the brewer, yeah. a great guy, great brewery, a brewer. Um, the beer was always great. It is now better than ever. Uh, nothing against Jay, mm. by the way, but it is now better than ever. And it, was that part of when you say kind of needed to breathe some new life into it? Is that something that you and Trenton felt like too? Like, okay, we're good, but we need to go next level. Yeah, I, I think like you said, like Jay was making some great beer. We always were making some great beer, but we knew that also we wanted to always get better. Yeah, and yeah. quality is a cornerstone of that. And um, so, I mean, we, we thought we had a first dial in the beer quality as well as breathe new life into just the brand and the business and everything. And sure. so we started working with UC Davis and UC Davis has one of the top brewing programs in the world and their master brewing program was housed in our brewery. Right. Um, so we just started talking to their professors and started talking to their alumni, going to their classes and just figuring out, just getting advice, having people try the beer, come watch the brewing process, figuring out how we can make it you know, improve our quality as best we could. So that, that was one of our initial focuses as well as just getting the beer back out there. Really, right. we inherited a bunch of distribution networks and there was no one really working with them. And the beer was just kind of available locally. And well, and you guys were somewhat um, pigeonholed too into the, to the German styles, yep. right? Which when Trent's grandfather opened, I think that was a, a great move, right? Yep. Like that was something that was unique and, and it was a, a, like a point of focus, I think. But as the beer industry grew over the years, <clears throat> you couldn't just stay with that. I met Trent's yeah. grandfather, by the way. Great yeah. guy. Oh yeah. I, I had dinner with him once there at, nice. at the restaurant and just a nice gentleman. Um, so I guess what I mean is you guys have expanded into other beers all while remaining with, with some German beer focus or at least a lager focus, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, we, we recognize that the, the brand, you know, was, I mean, it started, like you said, as America's answered import beers. And that was where right. they, in 89, they started imports for all the rave. And so they were like, we're going to brew fresh, great German style beers here locally. And, you know, kind of have that as their kind of niche in the market. And we, we came in, we found our beer in the import section in local like stores and we're like, no, no, we brew it down the street. And they're like, Oh right. no, this is made in Germany. And we're like, okay, we it got, we, too authentic. Yeah, we, we got an issue here. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but we also, one thing we really loved about the brewery is it had a lager foundation and we grew up drinking, obviously, sued work, but then we also drink it, grew up drinking, you know, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and, and Stone and Lagunitas, and we loved our IPAs, and but we'd get hopped out, and we'd come back to, you know, a lager, and usually it was more of a macro-style lager. There was no one outside of, like, kind of sued work locally making lager-style beers consistently, right. really hanging their hat on it, and so we thought we had the opportunity to really take that lager focus and really showcase what lagers could be outside of traditional German styles and have some fun with it. And so that was kind of our focus was dial in the original recipes and the original beers yeah. and then start 
using that foundation that we started, I mean, in 2008, we started making like hoppy lagers and IPLs and yeah. kind of we're like, all right, if we can take the best part of the IPA and the best part of the pills there and bring them together, like that's the beer Why we want to be drinking all day. Right? Well, and you yeah. guys were one of the first, I think, to do that, at least mm-hmm. to put it out as like a, as a real brand, you know, yeah. the, the IPL. Definitely. Uh, I remember drinking it. Uh, so for example, too, at, uh, moving on from German styles, but sticking yep. with lagers is we have an, uh, like an American style lager in our yes. glass now, a uh, backyard hero, backyard hero. Yeah. yeah Tell it's us an about American this. lager. Uh, it's about four and a half percent. We make it with some locally grown rice, about 30% of the beers, um, some local rice. And our goal with this one was just really light, crushable, easy drinking beer has a blend of German noble hops and some West coast hops in it. Um, and it's kind of like an ode to like kind of what, American lagers were maybe like 30, 40 years ago, you know, before sure. they started getting a little more commoditized and watered down. And so, so it's all malt this. Uh, no, it's not. It's oh, 30% it's not. Okay. rice. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But because it's flavored like a, like it's all malt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we try to keep the body there as well and just have that really crisp finish to it. So that I think you get a little bit of the hops up front um, in it, a little more of the malt there and then real smooth finish to it. Try to sure. keep it on the light side. I mean, it's not as light as you know, your light lager, but, uh, no, it's yeah. not, which I appreciate about it. I don't want it too light, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and you, now you guys are in a college town and years ago, only a few years ago, I would have said to you, Oh, you guys just made this for the college kids, <laughs> but I don't think that's true anymore. Like loggers are really coming back. Lucky mm-hmm. for you guys, like yeah. well positioned. <laughs> and I don't think you did just make this for the college kids. I think you no. would have made something else for them at this point. It's like a seltzer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a little bit of seltzer, but yeah, no, this is not a huge college kid yeah. you know, beer. Uh, we tried, you know, kind of seeing if the college kids are interested in it, but they really weren't, you know, they're yeah. kind of going off your, your natural light or something like that, you know, sure. so like, but they, they do appreciate it. And I think this is really something what we're looking for, right? Like we, we loved our pills and we're like, ah, you know, we grew up drinking a lot of, you know, American lagers and like started talking with some of the UC Davis alumni that spent their career brewing American lagers. And they'd tell us stories about what American lagers were when they started in the industry, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Right. And they're like, man, that beer. And you're talking to like your parents or grandfather, like it just, they were kind of telling you about these beers and it's like, you couldn't go out and drink that beer. Right. Yeah. And so we wanted to recreate that and really kind of bring that experience back and showcase what American lagers, you know, used to be and what they can be. So I like the idea too, because I mean, I'll admit that. So I love a good Pilsner. I Mm -hmm. like your Pilsner quite a lot. Thank you. Problem with a great Pilsner is you want to drink it all day, (laughs) right? You want to drink a bunch, which you can do, but you know that you're not, you're not going to do much else when you're done. Yeah. With this beer, you can have those four or five or whatever. And I'm not yep. saying you're going to get in your car or anything, but you can probably still barbecue and hang out with the kids. Exactly. You know, yeah. so I like that about the style, too, because it's a, it's full flavor. And if you want to put down a few, then you you go with a style like this. You nailed it. Yeah, like that's a, what like a, That's what like a Coors Banquet used to be. Exactly. Right? Like the yeah. one that you could not quite a, you know, like like. Forget about the Bud Light of the world, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But if I'm going to have a few on a warm day, give me like a banquet or like exactly. this, right? Exactly. Yeah. That, that's kind of our take on this one, right? So, what are the hops? Um, Howard Tau, uh, Tradition, Perlay, and Cascade. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and Cascade. And Cascade, yeah. We kind of mixed it up there. Is And is there any? Is there like a late hop addition too? Because it's got some hop character. A little bit of Cascade. Okay, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I like, that's a good one to mix in there. Yeah, just kind of... You know, playing off the traditional uh, German hops, but um, you know, we want we want to really kind of take our own take on it too. Like you wouldn't have found Cascade in any American lagers, you know, over history. But you sure, know, um, this is kind of our our take on it, and kind of kind of brightens it up a little bit with a little bit of hop characteristic, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that's a great beer. Yeah. And you guys yeah. can uh, pretty much everything you make, right? Can everything we make <laughs> and uh, bottle some of our uh, German style beers as well. Okay. Um, but I mean, the market's really going towards cans. So, you know, that's kind of sure where we're at too. You know, that's another thing that I think I noticed right away about your brewery back when it was built. So mm -hmm. I guess that Trent's grandfather had this foresight is you guys already had, you were, you were a small brewery with a big ass bottling line. Yeah. Like back in the day, like you guys acquired a big ass bottling line. And I remember the brewery itself used to just be the one in the restaurant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you guys still had a bottling line. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the original brew house is in the restaurant that uh, it actually went out of business. We'll talk about this a little bit later and we're going to yeah. reopen it here later this year. But Great. it was a two kettle copper kind of clad system. It's beautiful. That, yeah. Kaspari system, open firms. Um, and then they were brewing on that. They were selling more beer over the counter in the first five years anywhere else in North America. And they're wow. brewing on it all day, all okay. night. And they hit capacity. And so they're like, all right, we want and people were like, hey, where can we buy your beer on the market? So they're like, all right, well, we'll build a whole commercial side of the brewery. And so they built a whole another brew house in the back of the restaurant. And that's where they have a Crohn's bottling line. We have a 65 barrel Steinecker brew house. It was computer operated at so at that time. And that was, you know, really kind of crazy advanced bunch of 110 firm fermenters and go about nine of them. Um, and so, I mean, they really were setting up to kind of scale that brewery up, but this was also at the time when, I mean, Trent's grandfather and his business partner, this was like a hobby for him. It was a hobby that just grew, had a bunch of life initially and really grew up fast on them. And right. then it just didn't have anyone to kind of keep it going at the time. So sure. it, we, you know, when we stepped in, it was kind of underutilized and we're like, oh man, we have everything we need to really start you to know, go over this. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Someone else was about to get a sweet deal. Yeah. So exactly. I'm really glad that you guys yeah. <laughs> recognized that. Yeah. It took us about four or five years to get the deal done because everyone kind of was chomping at the bit to kind of figure it out and undercutting us and like even right. more Coors showed up thinking oh this could be a blue moon brewery you know and the right. ki killed our deal for a year but we we're just tenacious kept with it and you know we had we had the vision and the passion to really you know say hey we can we can really keep this brewery alive in our community and that's kind of our focus really be the local community brewery and kind of right. be able to get back to that so uh that's really great yeah i i also remember um that you guys were kind of the main facility for the UC Davis brewing program. I know you mentioned that, but what I mean by main facility is like, I remember where they built in the Mandavi center, yep. or whatever is the new facility yep. where they have like these really cool high tech. Th but before that, I thought pretty much all the brewing was done with you guys at Sudvert for those classes. There, there was. And the thing about, UC Davis, they couldn't really finish beer there because they have like a brewing license. And so they would oh, right. they'd brew on our license over there so they could actually finish the beer and we'd be able to eventually we, we started working more hand in hand with them to serve the, like the beers on an, on tap at our tap room, things like that nature. But yeah. since then, they, they've built out a whole new brewery. So they do do a lot more brewing on campus now. That's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. yeah. But that affiliation, again, I don't know. I, I, I wish we could uh, still talk to, to Trent's grandfather and oh, his yeah. partner too, because I just feel like there was really something there, a bunch of smart moves, maybe mm -hmm. a little luck about the location that may, has always made it such like a unique place. And you guys are still pretty involved with the UC Davis Brewing Program. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just had the Iron Brew competition that they do every year with the undergraduate program. So there's the undergraduate program that's mainly on campus. 
And then there's the extension program that's actually in the backside of our brewery in a classroom. Okay. And so we're involved both from the iron brew competitions with the undergraduate program and a group of students get together and they all make a beer and enter into competition. A bunch of different brewers come in and judge the beer and the winning beer gets brewed up on our system and we scale it up, help them design a label, can it, put it in case, go out and release it into the market. So nice. the winning beer this year was a Scottish ale. Oh, cool. That's actually released the first week of June. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So, we, I mean, we're always trying to, you know, be involved. As, as much as possible a lot of internships things of that nature a lot of our brewers are graduates of the program so we're really lucky to have that you know that technical base within our brew team yeah. from uc davis so no that's yeah. a lot of good resources there yeah that's great and how many barrel brew house are you now so we have uh, total barrels well you just the brew house itself like brew house does about 65 barrels per batch okay yeah got it and, and what do you how much you brew in a year uh, a little under ten thousand barrels right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are doing all right. Yeah. We we have we could we have some room to grow within our current setup, and we have more space for more tanks if you want to keep growing beyond that. And sure. So you guys have a good property there. It is. Is the bottling line gone? Is it just a canning line now? No, we use it. You've we got use both. bottling. Yeah. It's it's getting a little age on it, but I mean, uh, when it it does a little over a hundred balls a minute and it, and zero do pickup for the most part. So I mean, Crazy. we're really lucky. A lot of people come in to our brewery and they're expecting kind of like a really small maybe like forehead brew like bottling line or something like that and then they see this you know giant crones line and uh we're, we're lucky right. crones only made i think two of them for north america when they're doing it and they are kind of starting to get into the craft beer industry in like the mid 90s yeah and then they, the craft beer industry kind of flattened out and they just didn't pursue it now, now they offer more stuff but sure we're lucky to have it that time and it is getting a little bit aged takes a lot of maintenance but you know we are lucky to have it do you guys have just a full-time maintenance person for that stuff it's, it's getting to the point yes it's about that yeah <laughs> That's still, again, you guys, you know, I've been talking about the vision of, of Trenton's grandfather, mm -hmm. but you guys too, like you really saw something there and, and there really was something there, mm -hmm. which is probably why everyone was kind of chomping at the bit for it. But mm -hmm. to, to have the tenacity to not let that go, it's just really kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank because you. you know this, to build that. I mean, it would have been a heck of a lot more work to go find all the money to build that. Than oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been. And yeah, we had people like being like, hey, you guys don't need to worry about making the beer. Just go like, you know, build a brand and someone else will make the beer for you. And we're like, that's not really what we're trying to do here, you know? Right. And so, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a lot. It's still a lot of hard work. The team, you know, really, is, it's a grind. You know, we have we have a yeah. huge facility and it, it's a burden and a blessing. Right. Because. You know, there's a certain amount of labor and costs that go into keeping that size of a brewery going. And right. so, you know, we can't just play the tap room game where we just want to make beer for our tap room, our local market. We have to hit a certain volume to cover some of those costs. So sure. it, it is a little bit of a balancing act. And, you know, we have a whole cellar and a whole cold side of the brewery. And that was something we had to come to terms with. Like we could save significant costs if we just started making only ales and really getting away from the lager. But we really thought that we could really, you know, make a place in the market for, you know, focusing on loggers and showcasing sure. what loggers could be, you know, and what they are. So, well, and having the multiple sales channels, even though mm -hmm. you're, I, I, you're right, that's a large animal to maneuver, mm -hmm. but to, to have over the counter, which again, we're going to talk about the restaurant again in a little yep. while, but you guys have a beer garden there too. We do. Yeah. Uh, to have over the counter, which you probably do well in that town, um, to have distribution to, I, I mean, I've bought you guys in grocery stores, like yep. to have the multi-channel, uh, you know, Russian Rivers come in and talk about that, like mm -hmm. uh, like when the pandemic hit. 
Yes. And all the over the counter, either if you were distribution only or over the counter only, if you were either of those only, yep. you were kind of fucked for a minute. You were. You yeah. Know. I was just talking at the, at the master brewing program at UC Davis on Tuesday about this. And they're mm. like making a case like, so do you think it'd be good just to be a tap room business? I'm like, they're like, why would you ever want to go through wholesale? And go? I'm like, well, you, you could probably make a really good business. I'm not knocking on it. It actually is a really good business. But like you said, you are susceptible to like when there's a Whatever. pandemic yeah. and it gets shut down. Or you, something like a fire. What if there's a yeah. fire in, the, you know, like yeah, ex- your, your tasting room? Like you're totally effed, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, during COVID, we were lucky that we also had a distribution network and, and we lost, you know, our taproom business about 15%, you know, right, and then yeah. about... About seasonally, it changes, but about on average, about 50% um, on-prem, 50% off-prem and wholesale. So, I mean, we lost, you know, 65% of our business, but we did able, we're able to continue to establish our, you know, um, you know, supermarket business or off-premise business that kept us alive during COVID. Yeah, that so, stuff, that's really important. Yeah. And I don't know what a, a upstart brewery right now would do. I'm not saying, oh, be smart like Sudberg and make sure you have all the channels right when you open. I mean, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Exactly. But I am saying that it's a smart business plan, even though yeah. it's so many moving parts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think it just really depends on how much beer you want to make, you know? And yeah. It's like if, if you just want to make a small amount, taproom makes sense. But if you're building a big brewery, I mean, you probably should be thinking maybe multiple tap rooms and also wholesale, you know? Sure. So. And either way, you're probably making the same amount of money, which is yeah. not much. So yeah. it really is probably like a personal choice. What yeah, do you it, want to it run? Is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about this heft that's in all our right. glass, too. So this now this is going to be one of the uh, I'm sure you've modified it, but this is like one of the original Sudwerk beers. One right? of the original Sudwerk beers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so this is a traditional Bavarian style heft. Um, we actually have our own proprietary yeast strand for this beer. Mm. Comes from an old brewery in Germany. Uh, one of our uh, partners, UCS alumni, had like a collection of yeast, and he brought in this yeast strand. He's like, you "Guys, try this out. It's my favorite heft uh, yeast." And so we started u- utilizing it, and it really ferments out nicely. Um, has really nice ester profiles in it. You get a little more of the kind of a citrus fruitier characteristic out of it. Less of that kind of banana, bubblegum, clove you traditionally get. So yeah. we feel like it's a little bit lighter mouthfeel on it as well. It's brewed in, or it's fermented in open firms. Mm. Um, so real vigorous fermentation pro, uh, profile comes through on it. And Was that always the case? That you always had open fermenters? Yeah, yeah. So the original brew system had open firms. Everything was in open firm. I don't even remember seeing those. Yeah. They're oh. actually behind uh, big windows. So when we open the restaurant back up, you'll be able oh, to watch the beer right. ferment. Yeah. I do. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So you think that really contributes to, to the, the unique flavor? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. And, um, is this still a big seller for you guys? It is probably third best seller for us. See, yeah, I, I, I like to hear that for it. So have not my favorite style or anything, mm. but it does seem like it just disappeared off the face of the earth for a minute. And we've been getting more of them in here now, mm. which I'm kind of glad like consumers are like, Hey, it doesn't have to be all hops. Yeah. But I, yeah, I was curious. A third best seller means it's still really moving. It is. Yeah. I think the half drinker is looking for the half and there's not many breweries making half year round, you know, exactly. Like, or like really putting much effort. In. I mean, we put a lot of effort into this beer and we're constantly trying to dial it in and make it as best as it can be. And I think it's kind of a little bit of an afterthought for a brewery. It's like, oh, we need another skew. What's that? It's that a wheat beer, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, I'm not saying everyone does that. Just, you know, you just don't see people really putting their best foot forward and really pushing their half out. And I think I just left an open space for us. You know, Widmere and Pyramid, you're not seeing as much out there. And those right. really dominated that. Blue Moon and Shock Top started coming in and kind of taking a lot of that business as well. And I think those are starting to fade a little bit. And people like, 
you know, or or half drinkers, they they're not right. that they're, they just order a half, you know. And if you have a good half, they'll keep ordering them. So well, and I, you know, speaking of like the Blue Moon and the Shock Top, I, they've been around long enough now too mm-hmm. that I feel like if that was your go-to, um, you know, not light lager, because let's yeah. let's face it, like that's your kind of drinker for those. If you've been drinking that for years now, you're and you're ready to graduate to something like mm-hmm. a real Bavarian half would yeah. be your next move. Hundred percent. So I think yeah, if you put this in front of a, a I've been drinking Blue Moon for five years. That's my yeah. beer. If you put this in front of them, I feel like they're like, oh, okay, I could do that. They do. It's funny you see like that uh, the the shock top Blue Moon drinker that wants to be a hazy IPA drinker that <laughs> but doesn't want to drink any of this. So they, right. they don't want the lemon or the orange on there, so they drink they drink a half in. You know, it's what they want, and they it fits the bill. Fits right in with all the hazy IPA drinkers. <laughs> yeah, this by so, the way is a true Bavarian half. I yeah. mean, it tastes like a great like local. Thank if I was you. sitting in Bavaria type type of half. That's what we're going for. Yeah, you know, real real sessionable, easy drinking, um, good good mouthfeel. It's a little bit lighter than most uh, wheat beers. Doesn't have that. That you know, viscosity, that real you know, thickness to it. That sometimes you can get out of American wheat beers. Um, so no, it's, it makes it easy drinking. It's really light bodied, and I, I wanted to say effervescent because it does seem mm-hmm. to lift right off of my palate. Yeah, but that seems like a disservice too because it's not like overly carbonated or anything. No. I don't mean that at all. But there is something about it that just lifts right off your palate, and I, part of that is the carbonation, and part yeah. of it is I guess it's just like the perfect body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Especially as it warms up right now, it's a it's a good drinking beer. So do you got yeah. do you get everybody asking you to serve it with lemons at the at the tap room though? Yeah, you get those yeah. people kind of get a lemon. You know, it's like there's no. We used to have on the on the packaging saying no no fruit needed. You know? Oh no, yeah, like, yeah, I like that because like, it is in the original hazy beer, right? So yeah, yeah. Oh, that, see now that's a good. <laughs> do you guys put that on the packaging? Yeah, yeah. that's so funny because as soon as the hazy thing came out, I was like. You know this has existed for decades, right? Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> more maybe millennia, I don't know. You are right about the yeah. like um it has a great citrus, mm-hmm. especially in the nose, which is way better than like bubblegum and clove. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, when when we were messing around the yeast intestine it out, we're like, yes, this is what we wanted out of half. You know, it's like I I, I know there's a place for that kind of bubblegum banana clove, you know, and I feel sure. like but I don't know, I feel like everyone really likes those, you know, citrus out of the hops and stuff. And this kind of doesn't give you that bitterness, but it gives you kind of a little bit of that citrus kind yeah. of notes to it, a little bit of that fruitiness, a little spiciness, but it's very subtle. You it know? is. It's one of those that builds on it. Do you know if it's like like also kind of a lower fermentation temperature than normal to reduce those things? Or is it just that that yeast strain is dialed in for that? It's about 16C. Okay. I, yeah. can't, I can't do that conversion. Yeah, what's but, that? Like uh, 30, uh, 64 so it is a little lower. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you might get a little more of that ester production, I yep. think, 68 and above. Mm-hmm. Right. So just a little bit lower. Yeah. Does White Labs maintain that that for you guys? They do. They're I figured awesome. they would. They're yeah. awesome. And so we have this yeast with White Labs. And then actually, one thing with the Backyard Hero and all of our loggers, uh, we have our own proprietary logger strand as well. Oh, nice. Same, uh, same partner of ours brought in. And he's like, this is my favorite logger strand. It comes from this old brewery in Bavaria. It doesn't exist anymore. I've just oh, kept wow. it up test it out and just really cleaned up all of our fermentation and like, yeah. and we can, and we started making hoppy uh, lagers on it and it brews warm, brews cold, really flexible yeast. It, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing that we got. So see, that's awesome about white labs too, because that's the stuff that Chris white, like really enjoys that yes. he'll, he'll geek out about. He's, he, I, I feel like, I don't think he does this, but I, I feel like he's like a little kid that he'd be like, 
can I please maintain that strain for you? Can oh, yeah. I just be the one who takes, <laughs> I want to be, I want us to be the caretaker of yes. that. Cause he is a nerd about like those strains. He cares. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, yeah. And you know, it takes a lot of like, you want, you want to trust someone with that. Right. Yeah, and Chris yeah, is the guy yeah. you want to go to. Yeah. You that. don't want that phone call. That's like, <laughs> so we had a power outage. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's no more. You yeah. Know? Like, no, you know, or we like, lost what? it. Just buy more of our other yeast. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> no. Well, cause like you said, if, if it's from a brewery in Germany that doesn't exist anymore, you do not want to F around yeah. with that. No, the guy brought in the slide. He's like, there's only one more slide of this. It's banked at UC Davis. Don't okay. fuck this up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we're like, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's yeah. great. No, but it, you'll, you'll, you'll see. I mean, you don't taste it with the lockers as much, but this one definitely comes through. Well, I want to try some more beer. So why don't we do this? We'll, we'll take a quick break. Perfect. And uh, when we come back, we'll try some more beer. I'm hanging out with uh, Ryan Fry from, from Ryan Fry from Sudwerk, and uh, we'll be back with more on the session. Hang in there. All right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are still here with Ryan from Sudwerk Brewing Company. Um, and uh, we're talking, I got more beer to try, which I'm yes. stoked about. Um, I did want to give a shout out uh, to one of our sponsors and a great friend of mine, uh, 21st Amendment Brewery uh, 2NA, you know, Sean O'Sullivan. And uh, they're always up to something good. You can go to 21stamendment.com and check it out. They got the the brew pub. is uh, They've expanded their hours and they're open all the time now in San Francisco. You got the new big brewery in San Leandro. And uh, they're just making fantastic beer. You heard Sully on here a few weeks back. And uh, just a big shout out to them. Check out 2NA at your local uh, beer purveyor or supermarket or liquor store or uh, even your favorite local bar because uh, they do it all too. A lot like Sudwerk does. You can They get a lot of distribution. So check them out. 21st Amendment Brewing Company. And um, if you get a chance, thank them for being a supporter of this program. So let's talk about this Pilsner. Yes. Uh, now, I've been drinking this Pilsner uh, for a while. Um, I And I think this newish version of it, which was probably just like a few tweaks that you did, I got into like last summer. Um, we were together at uh, Chris White's wedding. Yes. And, yeah, and you guys brought this and Chris brought this and... I don't think I drank another beer for a good several <laughs> days. Like I really I just with stuck with this Pilsner. Um, I don't know. It's a near perfect Pilsner, man. Thank you. And Thank you've you. won some awards for it too. Just got a gold medal at GABF. You did? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and been been really working on this beer since we started. And it, I mean, it's part of the original beers that were uh, brewed at Sudworks in 89. The original brewmaster came from Germany and brought his family's recipes and started making, you know, Pilsner, Hef, Meritzen, some other German beers. And then when we got it, it was um, really using a lot of basically just North American pale malt and um, Pilsner malt. And just, it, we realized we wanted to really kind of bring it back to being lighter, crisper, a little bit more refreshing, still has a little bit more of an upfront hop note to it. So, mm-hmm. um, but we, we started out making only using, we started doing a lot of trials with it with malts first. And we realized that we, when we were using the environment malt, just like a floral malt from Bomberg, it, it really, really light mouthfeel to it. Real nice kind of um, airiness to the, to the beer. And we're like, all right, this is giving that real light Christmas to it. And then really right. let the, the hop shine on the finish of it. And so uh, it's been a little bit challenging to get those hops just over the years with like imports and stuff. And so we've been kind of working in some raw, um, old world pills in there a little bit, but, um, okay. I think it still holds up the character to it. And, um, it's something that we're constantly tasting, looking at, 
and making sure we're, we're dialing this thing in because it, it's one of those that can get away from you pretty quickly. It, it's such a, it seems so simple to be like, well, we better use German malt, right? <laughs> okay, but it's really not that simple because American malt's really great too. It is, yeah. and, and, and I think in some taste tests or some trials, certainly from maybe the folks who are trying to sell you that North mm. American malt, you can be like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty damn close. Yep. But it's like the, there's a reason that in some ingredients are regional and it's the nuances that you can't really you know, put your finger on until you taste it in a beer like this. Yes. Like you said, you guys kind of switching back. You're like, oh yeah, there it is. Like that really lightened it up. Exactly. Exactly. And it's one of those things that you start talking to like, like the new UC Davis professor took over Charlie Bamford's spot as the head of the brewing program. He is, his name is Glenn Fox and he specializes in malts. And so you start talking to him about it and he's like, yeah, the, the malt characteristics from growing in North America and different regions of North America versus Europe, they just have different characteristics coming to the malt. Right. Then when you're, and also when you're floor malting and these other things start playing in parts, parts of the flavor of your beer. And sure. when you have a beer that's very light and nuanced in flavor already, they, these things start to shine, especially as, I mean, this is a, you know, a beer you're going to have a handful of, right? So like, as you drink it, those nuances start to build and they start to come alive. And I think that's where this beer really shines is as you drink it, it still remains light and crisp and easy drinking. It, does. it doesn't, you know, build on your palate where it's pretty cloying. I think sometimes you get that out of some, some Pilsners, it kind of gets a little sure. thick on you, a little malty. Is it a hundred percent Pilsner malt? Yes. Or is it no? It has, it has um, a bag of acidulated malt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes so, yeah. sense. So one of the things I really like about this beer is uh, everything you just described is, is how it got very light and very bright uh, mm-hmm. because of that that Vireman pills. Yep. But at, it's more so what that um, paves the way for, which is a true like noble spice. Yes. Like the hop character in this is not a... Well, it's not like American hops. It is that really noble spice. Yes. And the spiciness is what comes out, right? And it's not, you know what I mean? I don't mean pepper. I don't mean heat. Mm -hmm. I don't even know exactly how to describe it, but it's such a bright, like spicy, noble character. And it really pops off the palate, I think, in part because of that malt you chose. Yeah, it does. And so there's Hallertau... Uh, Brulee and tradition and tetanang in it. Okay. And um, yeah, you nailed it. It has that little bit of that spicy hot bite, a little bit of kind of herbalness or like, um, I, don't, I want it's not minty, but it's kind of in that kind of like kind of spice category, right? Where Actually, like, that's a great descriptor. It's not minty, but in the aftertaste, right? And as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh yeah. And it's all, it's just like refreshing minty, yeah, right? And yeah. we're not talking about like chewing on a stick of minty no, gum. No, we're not yeah. like, you know, the mint flavor of it, that coolness of it. It's just that if you were to take that away, what would be left over? Kind of that yeah, kind of yeah. characteristic. So, and yeah. I like that you used the four, that you used four of the, the noble hops. Mm-hmm. I think there's only five total. I, I forget. But we, you and I were talking about my friend, uh, Dan Gordon, at, yes. at the break. And in his beers, you know, I, I would always ask him and he would just kind of kind of mess with me a little bit. Like, well, what what hops do you put in it? And he's like, you know, the noble ones. And I go, OK, but like which ones? And he go, <laughs> the noble ones. And finally, he'd be like, all of them, Justin. They, you have, you know, he, he does like at, at almost every edition. And it depends on the beer. But I think if we're talking about his Pilsner, it's like four noble hops at boil hmm. four noble hops at the begin in the middle four noble hops at the end and his and i always i really love his pilsner and i just i always thought that that was kind of the secret to a traditional pilsner mm-hmm. he's like no you don't just put perlay in 
You, you don't just put the one. You don't just put Saz. Yep. You've got to go Saz. How I think his were Saz, Hallertau. I want to say Perlay and Tetning. Okay. And what did you say? You said uh, tradition, Perlay, and Tetning. And Tetning. Yeah. yeah. And his whole thing. And I couldn't argue with it because I'd be like, your Pilsner is one of the best yeah. I ever have. Nice. Rather than like sticking to just one, right? Which I think a lot of other lager brewers were doing. So I think you've you've really done well to do the same, to get the mix of them. Because, you know, when you, especially if, well, for an amateur like me, if you put all of those hops like next to each other, I'm not going to notice a ton of difference between them. Yeah, it's tough. But somehow together, they it does make a difference. It does, yeah. And we, we've tested over the years different combinations of them. It does change, it does change the beer. You know, and this one kind of gives us like what we we're talking about, a little bit of that kind of brightness of the hop characteristic at the end of the beer that we like um, without it lingering too much. There's a little bit of dryness on this beer on the finish, but not right. a huge, you know, bitter or, you know, hop bitterness there that's, you know, changing the flavor. I just love this beer. Where, where's the medal for this? Let me yeah, put that so this on one camera. got a gold medal. The Backyard Hero we were just drinking uh, had a gold medal as well in the for, JBF. For American Light American Lager? American Lager, yeah. So yeah, you so. beat out all the uh, the big domestic yeah. breweries for American Light Lager? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a contemporary American-style lager category. Oh, so, I see. So, yeah. Let me hold that. that. Was, uh, and those of you listening can't see, but if you're watching on the YouTubes, uh, yeah, that's what a JBF gold medal looks like right there. Yeah, we we were pretty fired up. I mean, we've been working hard at this like twelve plus years of our current team, and you know, day in day out, just really focused on loggers. And now for it to all be, you know, kind of validated in uh, in these medals was uh, meant meant a real lot to us. I mean, it was a lot of hard work from our team. Our team puts a lot of effort into it, and you know, it's not always the sexiest thing making making loggers. Especially now, it's starting to get a little bit more noticed. But in the you know hop IPA craze and the hazy IPA craze, you know, we're out here championing loggers and pilsners and stuff and right. some hoppy loggers and things. And people are like, you know, where's your IPA? <laughs> like, well, we got this right here. I'm telling you. Right. And uh, what's funny though, is it won't be the brewers who ask you that question. Yeah. The brewers in your, your peers are just like, Hey, give me that pilsner. Yeah. They're not going to come well, ask that, you where's the IPA. That's when you know you have something great is when the yeah. brewers start coming in asking for your pills and they're, and they're like, you know, giving you a, little bit of a kudos they're like oh this is good stuff and you're like all right we got something good here we got something special you guys just yeah. keep telling everyone about it you know right. and they'll, they'll figure it out this guy drink it it's gotta try it totally well and even though you're saying like they may not be the sexiest categories they're also not the smallest categories anymore that's nope. a big category both of those are big categories that you guys just they won are. in so um that's that's really nice. getting more and more competitive and more people are really uh it's, it's great too like uh i mean i I was looking at your guys' board before the show, and I was like, wow, you guys have like, I don't know, six, seven loggers up there. I mean, yeah. And not just light loggers. I saw a Doppelbach. I saw all kinds of good stuff up there. And it's great to see that diversity in the market now, too. It's starting to become more noticeable and more apparent, and it's great to be able to try it. It is. Yeah, we're mixing it up a lot more now. and But part of the reason, too, is because more of you are, are making them so well. Mm-hmm. And I've said this on the show, so I apologize to my listeners whenever I'm redundant, but like, you know, years ago, if I had opened a bar, you know, 10 years ago, there wouldn't be that many craft loggers on tap. And the reason is they just, you know, you guys were still figuring it out. Um, not, not you guys per, per se, but brewers were still. I agree. And now, you know, the, the brewing chops have just gotten so good. Like the, the people have gotten so good at their craft, at this, this craft, that now we're like, yeah, give us more loggers, you know. And now also, like, we're, we're, we sell them to, like, uh, 
you know, a lot of times people come in here, we, we're a bottle shop too. Mm. And, and it matters what we say. People ask what we're drinking mm-hmm. um, or they're just like dumbfounded and we have an opinion. So we <laughs> give it to them. Um, well, more often than not, our opinion is moving to the loggers that are in our fridge. That's great. Because they're just stellar. Yeah. Know? And I've been noticing that a lot. I mean, I, I love loggers. So whenever I go to a brewery, I order their lager and yeah. you can, you know, five years ago, like you're saying, like you're trying these loggers and like they're under fermented, they were rushed out. You know, they didn't give them the time. They weren't focused on because they wanted to make, you know, more IPAs or whatever it was, you know, it right. just didn't get the attention it needed. And now people are really like focusing on them and putting some good effort in it. And there's some great stuff in the market right now. It, totally. It's a great time to be drinking lager right now. So it's funny that you say that too. That So I will now do that to order the lager first. Um, it used to be that I would order the IPA first because mm-hmm. it would cover up more things. Now I'm more <laughs> nervous about ordering IPAs. Yeah. If it's a new, if it's a brewery I haven't been to, yeah. Because most of you have gotten so damn good at IPAs. Oh yeah. If I go to a new brewery that isn't that isn't people haven't like told me like oh go there make sure you, if I just haven't heard of them. I'm like afraid of their IPAs yeah. now. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same way. <laughs> like that IPA we started the show with was one of the better IPAs I've had. Yeah. And like, you know, if I could get that every time I had a brewery, that's what I'm drinking, you know? Right. Uh, maybe with some lagers as well, but uh, I'm with you. It's, I always try to go with the pale ale. I'm like, okay. Same. It, it's kind of hard to, those aren't that prevalent anymore. So. You're right. Well, those are coming <laughs> back too, but you're right because it just seems like middle of the road enough yeah. that even if they brew it poorly, it's still going to be drinkable. Exactly. Right. It, and I hate to say that about you brewers, but you know, that's just how it is. Uh, it's, I think it's the same with anything like, I don't know, bread. Like you see the bread aisle, mm-hmm. you still go grab the one that you know that's good. Yeah. And if it's a brand that comes out with a new bread, well, you're not afraid to try that either. Exactly. But you're not just grabbing some random new brand of bread. Yeah. And I don't really do that with beer either, unless someone's taking me to a brewery, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm grabbing like my go-tos. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm All with right. you. Choose another beer for us All right. uh, to try. So we're going to get outside the logger wheelhouse here. Um, here we got go. some IPAs. Um so not an IPL, like a real IPA. Yeah, for you I didn't guys. bring okay. any IPLs. We we did. We have been making a lot of IPLs, cold IPAs now. I know there's a little bit of a difference, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we just talked about that on the last episode. Yeah. Well, and real quick before we move on to that, I forgot to ask about your Pilsner. Is yeah. this one of your proprietary yeasts too? It is. This Pilsner. Okay. Yeah, the Pilsner is the Backyard Hero. We both have that. I think that really helps up the fermentation profile. So I think it's another thing that, like we were talking about, if you're I mean, our, our Pilsner, it's about a six week beer, you know? So, I mean, we're, it we're, should be. yeah, we're giving it some time, you know, and same with backyard hero. Like it, wow. the, we, we really respect that process and make sure we're going to give it to it. And, uh, I mean, Pilsner is about 65% of our business because it just, it just keeps growing and growing and we're right. finding a, you know, good, good to hold there. But the, I think the lager yeast that we have really sits in the background and really lets the beer shine, which is nice. So it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, so now we're going to go IPA. A Sudberg. I don't know. I'm trying to remember if I've ever had a Sudberg yeah. IPA. We have a few IPAs here. This is this okay. is kind of like a more lighter, hazy IPA um, that we've been making. Um, I think you know we we just we're getting a lot of requests for IPA, and so we're finally like, all right, well. And as we were making IPLs and hoppy lagers, we started making more IPAs just to really understand how you bring the hops into a cold fermenting beer. And so like just understanding that we were always making IPAs. It just, you know, we weren't making a lot of them. And so now it's right. with the popularity of them, we're making some more and, and we like them. We're just making them our own way. And what, you know, what we like about the lager is that it's balanced and it's, it's drinkable. It's sessionable. It has a nice clean finish to it um, doesn't linger too much and so we try to bring that into all of our ipas as well okay um, so this one's solar haze 
Uh, it's a hazy IPA. Uh, it's it's a light one. It's four three. It has some Citra, Galaxy, mm. Eldorado. Uh, we use some enzymes into it too to really uh, um, bring down the the finishing uh, gravity to like almost zero or below. Oh and wow! So it's lower calorie, lower, and it's kind of what. It's kind of like you're all day drinking. If you don't want to drink Pilsner, this is kind of what you could be drinking all day, hanging out. And um, it's kind of like our go-to IPA. You guys don't call it like session IPA because you just call it IPA? Yeah. I think you I, should, by the way. Just call it IPA. But I'm just curious. Session's going to kill your IPA. You know? You're right. <laughs> I know. That's why I meant you're doing it right. I'm yeah. just curious because that was like a thing for a while to call it. But a, a smart salesperson is like, no, F that. Drop session. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, we we realized that we this has only been around for about a year and a half, two years. So we we kind of session IPA came and went at that point. Yeah. When we started yeah. realizing, I mean, in the in the market and what people are marketing, IPA can be four percent to like seven and a half percent now. It's like it's such a huge range that it's kind of what you want to make it and what you you know what yeah. brand you want to build around it. So I agree. But it's um, hop like an IPA. Yeah. Great yeah. like bright citrus uh flavor. Um, I know you didn't Definitely. say mosaic, but it's got a little like mosaic character, like uh, that complexity, like mm-hmm. a mosaic does. Um, what are the hops? Yeah. Citra, what else? Uh, Citra, Galaxy, and Eldorado. And Eldorado. Yeah, I think the Eldorado's going kind of to like that. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's a great hop. Yeah. We're loving Eldorado. Yeah. Do a lot with Eldorado. Um, and it, yeah, I think the Citra is always, you know, Nice, uh, kind of that brings out that citrus component. Go with the Eldorado and the Galaxy, kind of rounds it all out, kind of makes it a little bit more complex. So, was it hard for you guys to contract out uh, hops for IPAs like this, like not knowing what your volume of them is going to be? So, we, we uh, when we were making the hoppy lager in 2008, we kind of went on a, a journey of trying every single hop in the market, okay? And we started a lot, we did like isolated hop trials, every single hop. And then kind of building different varieties together and stuff. And we started isolating the ones we really liked. And these were some of the ones we liked. And we overcontracted them. And okay, so we yeah. already had Just contracts cost, yeah. and we had way too many of them because we were making a bunch of like IPLs and hoppy loggers. But um, those styles never really took off for us. So now we still have a lot of these contracts. Okay. And so we're sitting all right. And you guys we, seem to be lucky fellows. Like kind of, yeah. I mean, a, there's some of them that we totally did not get contracted and okay. we're under contracted on, but we do have some of them that have lasted as well as we've renewed our contracts and the, and the ones we wanted for some of these beers we're trying now as well. So, okay. Yeah. So listening to you talk about that and, and how you tried every, every single hop and you singled them out and all that, what, what does, what does, I don't know. Uh, it's not just QC. What does like beer selection look like for you guys? Do you have a team uh, is does the whole company sit down and like try these beers all the time and you guys decide together what's going to move forward? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, it is a team effort. And it's funny because Chris White, he, um, him and Jamil were writing their yeast book when we first started. Oh, yeah. And they're always at the brewery talking together. And Chris had a little um, R&D lab there. And he's like, you guys need to be doing more tastings together, like team tastings, like every week, like a yeah. lot of team tastings. We're like, it's not, yeah, of course we do. And so we started, he started helping us kind of organize, get him going. So we started that process. And through that process, we started, all right, let's focus on this beer. Let's focus on, okay, we, we want to develop these hops. Okay. How are we going to go about it? And it's a collaborative effort from everyone. And, um, you know, I think everyone's always in the market in our company, trying other stuff and, okay. you know, seeing what's going on. And they kind of bring that back and like, Hey, I tried, you know, like today we tried this, you know, 
frozen wet hot beer it had these great characters let's bring some in let's test it out you know and so we're always experimenting we have so we have two brew systems like we talked about we have our original restaurant system and we have our bigger system and we actually have a one barrel system a more beer system oh nice um that uc davis bought and keeps in our brewery so we're always piloting on that then if we like something we'll scale it up to our um our 12 barrel system try it out so we can kind of always be testing things and trying things and it's kind of a collaborative effort and figuring out kind of what people are looking for right. what do we like and how do we put our you know spin on something that's you know relevant in the market trying to find that product market fit i think we have um, a lot of things that people are already you know looking for or that kind of staples but in terms of new stuff we're always trying we're like all right well we don't have this in our you know in our beer lineup right now and people are are liking this and we're liking this. So let's give it a shot and let's kind of do it our own way. Yeah. Uh, so listening to it and you just said the statement, like there's the famous like sales quote is like mm. always be closing right? <laughs> and you guys are always be testing. Always be testing. I feel yes, like that's yes. your brewery motto. It should be yes. like painted on the wall in there because yeah. you're very open-minded. I mean, not sure. that other brewers aren't, maybe that sounds silly to say, but it really sounds like you guys constantly going out of your way to like, well, Forget what our wheelhouse is. What if we find something outside of our wheelhouse? That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's part of the fun, right? Yeah. You know, always, you know, and, and a lot of times what we learn through other things, like I mentioned, like we're brewing IPAs to understand how to do hop up loggers and stuff, or we're kind of going through other processes. Like with this beer, we use some enzymes to help it, uh, fully ferment out. And like, so we're able to then kind of learn a little more about enzymes. We can apply that to other processes and other beers we're doing. So, I mean, sometimes sure. there's crossover, which really helps out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the fun part is always being experimenting and testing. I mean, in terms of QC and testing, like, like, like those guys were talking about earlier from uh, Ghost Town. I mean, we're always trying, trying the work, trying everything through process. Right. We um, seller everything after it's packaged, cold and warm for a year. Test every month, plate it up, see what's see if anything's growing, making sure that our quality is maintained. You know, as it you know it ages and there's anything going on there that we can address. That makes sense. So, yeah, and not everybody breweries like take notice. You know, we've talked about this a lot on the show, but if you're not, if you don't have a solid quality control program and really care about that end of it mm. it really doesn't matter how good your recipe is it really yeah. doesn't matter how good your ingredients are if you're not doing a ton of testing and qc and even, like you said even just tasting just taste yeah. everything all the time yes yeah. yes you can just it's, keep it's yourself fun out too. Of why not yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's the best part of the job everyone's like oh you drink beer all day it's like well not, not really but <laughs> no but it's but, the fun but, part yeah it's yeah. part of it <laughs> right um, all right. Well, let's pick at least one more beer. And all then right. I want to talk about the restaurant too. While you're pouring that, uh, get that ready for us. Um, I, so I got a West Coast IPA. We use some incognito mosaic on, or I have a hazy IPA here that we do some mash hopping to get some thiles out of so, West Coast. Yeah. I'm Only because I want to try the incognito too. Okay. I am a West Coast fan, but the incognito sounds interesting to me. Me too. Now, when I met y'all too, or met Sudwerk, um, there was a big old giant uh, Bavarian style restaurant right there in Davis where you guys are. Uh, always great food. I loved it. I was, you know, always astonished at the size of the place, um, especially compared to like the brewery, right? Um, although back when uh, Trenton's grandfather started it, that was uh, probably a really smart move. I think, like you said, yeah. they were selling so much over the counter. Um, oh, yeah. But the restaurant in recent years went away completely right yeah when um a few years before we got involved they uh, leased it out to, they were originally trying to sell the brewery oh, yeah. um 
and they almost had some other breweries um, that were going to buy it, and they couldn't come to the terms with it. So they leased out the restaurant to another proprietor out of San Francisco, and he was operating the restaurant. And so when we came okay. in, we were just running the brewery. Um, and then the restaurant eventually went out of business a few years ago. So before COVID, it wasn't a COVID it was before, Yeah, it was before COVID. Okay. It was like a year before COVID. Okay. Um, and so then that, at that point, uh, so we bought the brewery, but then there was the restaurant and there was the whole property. So that then we came in and bought the property and then that took over the lease of the restaurant. And now we're working on remodeling that restaurant. And our goal is really to create like a destination brewery experience, like the ultimate experience with our beer in the region. And so um, we have, like you said, it's a pretty sizable space. It's yeah. going to be, we have a huge outdoor patio uh, as well. It's going to be about 400 seats inside. It'll be about 300 seats wow. or so. So I think, you know, we're, and then we have a whole beer hall, banquet room and stuff for events. So you guys are um, gutting the place basically. It, it uh, the, the what's remaining or yeah, the inside's going to get gutted. I mean, we're yeah. keeping the brew system. We're, we're going to right build, where it is, right where it is. Okay. We're keeping the firms right where they are. Um, keeping a lot of the brick. We're building a whole new bar, some indoor outdoor bar. Nice. Um, and it's going to have 24 taps, uh, mirrored taps. We'll have full full liquor and wine too. So we'll have everything. We'll be featuring you know local spirits and wines as well. That we're you know we're aging beer. We have a whole barrel aging program and stuff. So okay. really trying to like, er- tie everything back into the beer story. Um, and so yeah, I mean that's the big project this year. So. Probably in like October time frame, we'll be uh, having a grand opening is the goal. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're really trying to make it bigger and better than ever. Um, you know, huge patio with a stage for live music, fire pits, things like that. Wow. Um, yeah. So we're going to have bring back some of the, you know, traditional uh, German items like, you know, some brats and things like that. UC Davis actually has one of the best butchering programs in the country. So we uh, work with them to send our spent grain. They feed their animals and they then we are able to serve like um, their beef in our burgers. Uh, they make all of our brats and sausages. So they'll be doing that for us. Um, and then we'll be all obviously doing some other kind of like more beer garden type cuisine, some burgers and some barbecue, things of that nature. Oh, sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'll be there. Up. I hope you know, so. You know what I love about Davis from here too, is that I can take the Amtrak right yeah. from my house in Martinez to, to you guys. Yeah. yeah, that's an easy ride. Yeah, oh. we got to have you up for a show for the grand opening. Heck yeah. That'd be great. I'd love to come up for that. Yeah. All right. So tell us, tell me about what's this West Coast called? Yeah. So this is Regrowth. Regrowth. Okay. And so, you know, West Coast IPAs, I think, are making a comeback. I mean, the Hazy is still, I think, really uh, the king here, but I think they're starting to fade a little bit. And West Coast, people are really looking for that crisp finish and looking for a nice West Coast beer profile. And I think yeah. that we named this Regrowth as like the regrowth of the West Coast style coming back, as well as we count the style right when. Um, the fire's kind of hit and everything's kind of regrowing and stuff. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know, we have we have the California bear on grizzly bear on here. It's kind of resembling like the California spirit and brewing and just resilience. So um it, it's a style that we wanted to have a little bit more modern take on the West Coast IPA. Really tried to really drive up the aroma on it and the the hop flavor profile with reducing some of the bitterness on the back end. Uh it just uses all pale malt, so real light malt base. Um, and big hot profile up front. So we wanted to drink real crisp um, and easy, but still give you that kind of full um, hop experience you get in a West Coast IPA. That's a great beer. Nelson, Amarillo, and Simcoe, yeah? Yes. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we uh, we do use some Mosaic Incognito in it as well. Okay. Yeah, in the Whirlpool. 6.3. That's right where yeah. I like a, like an IPA. Yeah. I mean, seven's cool. fine too, as Justin was saying earlier with Ghost Town. 
But yeah, six six three is a good is a good shot right there. Yeah, great yeah. artwork. Thanks. Hey, yeah, we have a local artist. The guy is super talented and really makes you know, our beers come alive. I think that's uh, you put so much effort into making a great beer, and people always look at your label first before they drink it. Right? Yeah. So like, you gotta make sure the label is really doing justice to what you got inside the can. It totally. Well, and like us too. Like we just, you know, like you said earlier, cans have just become so prevalent. We have, uh, you know, three doors, three glass doors full of cans, and. We have, you know, a couple types of customers, people who just come in and go for the brewery that they know, like mm-hmm. what, what new brewery do we have from say Altamont or whatever. Yep. Um, but then you have others who are just like, well, that can looks cool. <laughs> it is something the wine industry has been doing for decades. Yeah, it's not, not, you know, none of us yeah. buy wine for, because we know what it is. We don't yeah. know shit. Uh, we, but if the label looks cool, we're like, well, I better try that. Exactly. Like it goes exactly. label first and then the price maybe after. <laughs> exactly. Um, luckily with craft beer, we hardly look at the yeah. price anymore. We're just like label looks cool. And I know the brewery. Yeah. And we're like, all right, our, our label formula is brewery name, cool yeah. artwork, and beer name and style. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's got cool artwork. People are like, what is it? What kind of beer is it? You know, it's like, well, people just totally. want to see IPA. All right, it's an IPA. That's what I want, right? Well, and if you think about it, there is some logic to that because if you've put in the time and effort and you cared enough to, say, find a local artist that's awesome mm-hmm. and pay that person to do that, to me, that all translates to like, well, the beer's probably good too. Yes. You know, as opposed to, like, I'm not saying that people just print out labels on their home printer anymore but you know what i mean like a shitty logo and label and you're like i don't know if you didn't get that right yeah i mean like we're talking about like testing and trying and creating new beers it's like the amount of effort goes in just making the beers one thing but then you gotta do the other side of it right you gotta come up with the artwork the name all that and every, yeah. i think everyone in the industry knows how hard it is to come up with a beer name right now it's oh like yeah every name is taken you know and then it, it takes a lot of you know if you're working with artists it takes a lot of collaboration to really get something together there's a lot of effort it goes into that and i think definitely you know your label will showcase that you put that amount of effort into your label you're probably putting a good amount of effort into your beer too sure well and i do think that's another thing that you and trenton have done um to elevate this brand too mm-hmm. i think the brand always looked great you guys always had that traditional classic you know i think that uh, his grandfather and their partner they they put a lot of time and effort into oh, yeah, that too definitely. but it was more like the like the classic sierra nevada mm-hmm. logo right which is still perfect for them yeah. and for their brand but you guys had to evolve and i think you've done a nice job of taking that classic look and and translating it into a new look too like you guys aren't afraid awesome. to really go modern like let yeah. me see that hazy can too yeah. you know like this uh if you just looked at the front of it you'd be like okay well that's not from sudberg mm-hmm. except right down at the bottom you've got your, your sudberg logo fits yeah. in perfect that stuff's not hard to do there's some legacy brands out there mm-hmm. that can't do this even yeah it, it's tough it's tough yeah. and you know i i think we wanted to you know honor our legacy and our tradition but also have you know bring bring the the brand to become more local, represent more of the Northern California region, Davis, California. And you really, um, you know, kind of taking to the next generation. And so I think that's, that's what we're trying to do here is, you know, making sure they're, they're fun. They evoke emotion. They connect with people. I, I think the traditional stuff maybe isn't as understood, you know um, you know, a lot of people don't know what, you know, uh, 
a Dunkel or a Dahlbach R, you know, or something like that. And, you right. know, so coming up with something that's a little more relevant, I think, to people can understand. And hopefully they come by the brewery. And I think that's one thing we're excited to have with the restaurant is, you know, a bunch more taps now that we can do some traditional stuff. We can do some other things that are great beer styles. It's people just, you know, are, are not really interested or looking for them in the market. So you're like, you know, you bring, I was stoked to see, like I said, Dahlbach here. It's like we had Dahlbach, we had DQ it because it just, we have people calling about it, but it's like four or five people, you know, it's right. not enough to support a brand, yeah. but people love it. And to be able to showcase that or a Dunkel or Schwartz beer or other type, you know, English ales, whatever it is, you know, be able to showcase that at the tap room is going to be really nice. Cause I think those things have to be kind of tasted and explained. And once they try them, they want to want more of it for know? sure. Yeah. But again, like marketing is so important that even those traditional styles, if nobody's heard of a Dunkel, mm. but you made the can art look like yep. this one that I just held up to the camera. Well, now somebody might go, well, I better try that beer. Yeah. In other, if you just make it look cool, it's already going to taste cool. Like you said, if people just try it, then he, that's the hard part is getting them to try it. So the artwork is almost as important to just get people to try a traditional style. I think that Wayfinder up yeah. in Portland does a good job of that. So in almost all German style brewing, they are, they're kind of credited with the cold IPA. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can check them out here. We have them in the, in the fridge here. Okay. Almost all their styles are traditional that we care. Like there's a Hellas, there's nice. like a Bach, there's, but the can and the names all look so like rock and roll nice. that I think new people are like, oh, I better try that beer. Yeah. And then of course it's a great beer, mm -hmm. but you're right. If it was just a Dunkel with a traditional German logo on yeah, it, yeah. people are like, well, I don't need that. I've never heard of it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all just sort of part of, I, I, I'm also, I'm just kind of giving you guys kudos for that Thank because you. as you. you're you're talking about moving this into the next uh, generation, into the next years to come. Mm -hmm. You're doing a good job of that. And not everybody can or does. Thanks. Now, you know, not to their fault. It's a hard thing to do. And you guys clearly spend a lot of time going like, hey, we're going to be here a while and we care. How do we showcase that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're, we're trying, you know, it's, uh, I, I think we never know if it's successful or not. And then the day you just got to put a lot of effort and, you know, trust into it. And, you know, then you iterate, if it doesn't work, you try again. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, and, but that's what, you know, people can get lazy and, you know, maybe you've been doing it for too long and you're just <laughs> like, well, if they don't like the beer I make then fuck yeah. it, you know, but you can't like have that attitude. So it is frustration, but yeah, it's <laughs> totally. frustrating, but you gotta be tenacious, you know? Oh, I'm the same, man. Yeah. I'm like, they don't like my podcast. They can suck <laughs> it. And I'm like, well, I better figure out how to make them like it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're doing great things here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, thanks for coming out and sharing all this beer with us. I really appreciate it. Um, I would like to come up and do a show with you guys, get Trenton on the air too. Yes. Um, but I, you know, I'll just take the train up and do a little remote show Love up it. there. Yeah, I'll my crash pleasure. at Chris White's place. I'll yeah. Just, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's right, right down the street from us. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have, a, we have a little party. Yeah. I meant yeah. to reach out with to him and see if he was up here to, to join you, but I think that'd he's traveling anyway, but we'll have to do uh, another one with Trent. That'd be great if we could do it up at the brewery with the opening of the restaurant. I think we'd really appreciate that. And Absolutely. it was awesome coming down here. Thanks for having us. No, you know, I'm glad long, that, so. glad that you made it. Yeah. Um, we do have Sudbrook beer on tap right now. Uh, we've got the Hef on and we've got the Backyard Hero, the American Light Lager. I know that we're 
we're going to be ordering more. I definitely going to have uh, Lewis get this Pilsner on for us. Um, so yeah, come on down to the Hop Grenade if you can't make it up to Davis. Although you can find Sudwerk all yeah. over the place. Did any place yeah. you want to say that we can find beer? Well, or? I mean, first of all, we have a tap room Thursday through Sunday open. Uh, we have a, a small kitchen putting out uh, some food as well, so you can come up and have some food and some beers. All these new beers coming out every week, which is awesome. Um, we have you know, usually live music, other events going out, so you can check out social media for that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like uh, Hop Grenade, great local, you know, yep. uh, bottle shops and beer shops around usually are serving our beer, um, Nugget, Rayleigh's, uh, some of the Safeways and stuff. So I think you can kind of see in your local markets. And if you don't have it, then just ask for it. Um, Whole Foods, you know, we, we try to work with everyone uh, at the same time. You know, we want to work with people keeping keeping our beer you know, cold and fresh and, you know, it's selling at. So um, yeah. that, it, we try to work with everyone in the, in the Northern California area. So excellent. Go find them, check them out, and uh, yeah, you, you you won't be disappointed. All right, I'm going to get us out of here. Uh, thanks again to all of our guests today, uh, Justin and Evan from Ghost Town for, for stopping in, and of course, uh, Ryan from Sudwerk. Uh, we'll be back with more. I've got uh, quite a few uh, breweries lined up for you, so um, stick with us. Uh, like I said, thank our sponsors and purchase stuff from them. It'll help keep us around, and uh, we'll see you next time right here on The Session. 